question this morning, what's your dream? The Bible is filled with dreamers, dreamers who changed the course of world history with amazing dreams. Joseph dreamed, and the fire and passion of that dream drove him through rejection, through scandal, through years of imprisonment, although innocent, to ultimately becoming prime minister of Egypt. He brought his family, Jacob, and 70 members into Egypt. They were given by the favor of God the land of Goshen by Pharaoh. And 430 years later, they became a nation of millions on their way to the promised land. It happened because a 17-year-old kid had a dream. What's your dream? Daniel dreamed, and God, who knows the end from the beginning, revealed to him the future of Israel's history. Thomas Edison dreamed. He birthed the light bulb, and the night disappeared. Thank God. Abraham Lincoln dreamed, and slavery was forever removed from America. But again, what's your dream? For a better life? A dream of something you can be, of something you can do, of something you can have? Without a dream, let me tell you what will happen. Absolutely nothing. That's what will happen. You'll become a typical American Christian, the frozen chosen. And the only reason you'll get up early in the morning is to go to the bathroom, not because you're driven by a dream. i got to have a bigger life than that. What's your dream? Has it been shattered on the battlefield called life? If you've got a dream, you've got to push and you've got to persevere and give it a chance to happen. It's not microwaved, I promise you. Having a dream fulfilled is far more therapeutic than having your dreams analyzed. Never go to a non-dreamer to analyze your dream. Typical words from them will be, well, I can't imagine that. That's exactly why nothing is happening in their life. The people that make things happen in the world are people who imagine, people who dream. Everybody that changed the world had a dream and had to overcome setback, persecution, and rejections. Dreams are powerful reflectors of your potential. Without a dream, life becomes unbelievably dull and hopeless. In Luke 15, verse 13, a very familiar story, you know it well. And Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. The younger said to the father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided the inheritance among his children, two boys. And not many days after, the young son gathered everything together and journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And not many days after, what was the prodigal doing in those days? He was dreaming about what he thought would be the good life. He was going to show the world how to really have life to the fullest. He wound up in a pig pen because he was dreaming an impossible dream without reality. So again, watch your dream. Benjamin Franklin said, most men die from the neck up by 25 because they stop dreaming. The prodigal son dreamed the impossible dream. He dreamed of a life in a far country without responsibility, a life without work, a life of never-ending pleasure, a life of not having to answer to any authority ever. Let me 
let me bring you back to sanity. There is no such thing as a life without responsibility and a life without consequences. There's no such thing as life without work. That illusion will drive you or a nation to a pig pen. The prodigal son wanted liberty. He ended up in total bondage and slavery. He wanted endless pleasure. He found a pig pen. He wanted an impossible dream. God says there is a way that seems right to a man, but at the end is destruction. What road are you on? I can tell by your dream. You know, your dream, my dream, any dream will be a shattered dream if we leave God and His Word out of it. Psalms 33 verse 12 says, Blessed, divinely favored is the nation whose God is the Lord. That's rapidly not describing America. Psalms 9 verse 17, All nations that forget God shall be turned into hell. A better translation says hell on earth. The impossible dream is an illusion that somehow I can satisfy all of my fleshly desires and carnal senses. Its real name is hedonism. It's the worship of pleasure above anything else. It's an old dream, nothing new about it. Been around since the Garden of Eden. You know, there in the garden, Adam and Eve saw the forbidden fruit. The Bible says it was pleasing to the eye, it was irresistible, and it damned the future of Adam and Eve and the human race. It's a deep-rooted illusion, hedonism, that satisfaction of my flesh can be a great life. Totally wrong. Why? Because you can never satisfy completely your carnal desires. Every thrill wears off. Every sensation is short-lived. And all who make the mistake of trying to satisfy that carnal desire just live a pipe dream. We watch every year. We watch the death toll on celebrities and famous people go up in their 20s and 30s because they, too, bought the lie that they could live this impossible dream. Whether you use drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, or power, what you discover after you've lived enough life is the more you use, the more you have to use just to keep going. And life gets duller and more desperate, not brighter and brighter. Sensation in your flesh is like a drug. It requires heavier and heavier doses to get the same high. Then your body finally dies, exhausted from continual overdose. And like everybody else before you, it becomes a sad and tragic, shattered dream. Um, you think about people, if you've lived, some of you young people still don't believe it, but you will one day when you're older. You, you, you'll say, well, if I could just have that, then I'd be happy. If I could just have what she has, I'd be happy. If I could have that house, if I could have that car, if I could have her dress or her jewelry, or if I could have his money or his job or his position, then I'd be happy. And what you find is that as soon as you get it, it lasts for a little bit, and then pretty soon it doesn't, it doesn't buzz you anymore and you need something else. Well, you drove that car, now you're finished with it. When you first bought it and it was brand new and you came to Summit, you parked all the way down to the trees because you didn't want anybody to breathe on it or scratch it. But after six months and french fries on the floor and an old Coke bottle or beer bottle and a few dings on it from going to H-E-B, then you just don't really care about it anymore. The thrill wears off. And once you have it, it's no big deal anymore. I mean, how many cars can you buy? Well, if I can just have that one, and you get it, and pretty soon the thrill wears off. If I could just date her, and then pretty soon the thrill wears off. If I could just date him, and even sooner the thrill wears off. 
the whole point goes, can you capture the idea that nothing will satisfy human flesh permanently? It's just a temporary thrill. If I could just make that much, I'd be happy. Then you make that much. Well, if I could just make that much more, then I'd be happy. If you ain't happy right now, you'll never be happy with stuff. Nothing can satisfy the carnal flesh. That's, if that's where you're headed, stop for God's sake, for your sake, for your future's sake, because you will never be satisfied. A cow is satisfied. To, by the way, if you don't believe me, just watch entertainment tonight. Just keep reading the celebrity columns and tell me if that money, if that fame, if sleeping with him or sleeping with her, if that would make everybody happy, then why would we have all the early deaths? Why would we have irrational behavior going on in Hollywood? We ought to have revival. Ought to be the happiest people in the world. But they can't take enough dope. They can't sleep with enough people. They can't buy enough clothes. They can't get enough cars. They can't get a big enough mansion and still ain't happy. So somewhere you have to sober up and realize that ain't going to make me happy. There's nothing evil about having it, but it is stupid if you think it'll make you happy. A cow is satisfied to chew cud. Anybody ever watch a cow chew cud in the pasture? It's a good way to lower your blood pressure. That sucker will stand there and chew cud and not move for an hour. <laughs> a dog is satisfied with an old bone. A bird is satisfied with last year's bird nest. The only thing that will satisfy a human being is a relationship with the living God. God made you that way. Nothing will ever fill that God void in you but God. Nothing. And I'm not talking about a religious thing. I'm talking about a real relationship with God through Christ. Psalm 16, verse 11. In His presence is fullness of joy, and at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. And that's the only place you'll ever find pleasure forevermore. At the right hand of God, the right hand of His power, of His authority, when He releases favor on your life. Paul says, this is life to know Christ as Savior and Lord. And it's still the answer. He's the only one that can heal a broken heart. He's the only one that can, can satisfy a hungry heart. And he heals a shattered dreams. He told a woman that had already been married five times and was shacking up with another guy. He says, look, I'm going to give you some water and you're not going to be thirsty again. That internal thirst to be loved, to, to have some carnal pleasure is never going to go away unless you let me quench it and I'll still the storm in your life. Consider the reality of shattered dreams. In this auditorium this morning, there are people who have a dark page in their past that probably contains a shattered dream. Maybe you have a page in your past where your dreams were crushed like broken glass. Maybe it's a businessman who dreamed of making a fortune. You gave your all to reach that brass ring of success, but the markets turned in 2008. Wall Street collapsed, real estate collapsed. Markets fell 777 points in a day. You went to bed a millionaire and woke up broke. We're talking about a shattered dream. Or there's the perfect couple with a perfect marriage in a perfect home, in a perfect neighborhood with perfect children who are going through a perfect divorce. Shattered dreams. Then there's a champion athlete. I'm thinking of Ernie Davis comes to my mind, winner of the Heinzman Trophy, destined for NFL greatness and a lucrative contract. But before he ever played a single NFL game, his nose started to bleed. He was diagnosed with leukemia. He never played a single NFL game. His life ended at the young age of 23. What might have been a shattered dream? And then there's the American soldier who left home for combat in Vietnam or Iraq or Afghanistan, 
who was critically injured or maimed, and he or she returns home a wounded warrior who will pay the price of freedom every day for the rest of their life. May God bless those men and women in uniform at home and around the world who remind us every day freedom is not free. And then there's the honor roll student in high school in San Antonio who for one night of adventure jumped into a pickup with, three, uh, with two stupid friends, and they drove down a street. The driver reached under his seat, pulled out a gun, fired into a car that happened to be passing them at random. No reason. The driver of that car was a U.S. Marshal. They killed him and were sent to prison for life. Shattered dreams. That teenage boy had said to his mother, I'll be back in an hour. And in that hour, his life changed forever. We're swimming in an ocean of debt in America, escalating, according to a news program last night, $3 million per minute. Talk about an impossible dream. We cannot spend ourselves into wealth, and we're going to create an economic pig pen, whether you're an independent Tea Party, Republican, or Democrat. We're becoming more and more socialist like Europe. Our government officials think they can keep taxing and spending and taxing and spending with no consequences, but that's an impossible dream because choices always have consequences. It'll collapse. It has before, and it will again. If your dream has been shattered, my challenge this morning to everybody is, come on, dream again. God's dream for you is to prosper in every way. Third John, verse 2, beloved, I wish above all things that you might prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, if you've got a dream, for goodness sakes, give it a chance. Dreams indicate your hidden capacities. If you've got a big dream, God will give you big capacity to reach it. Dreams are a reflection of your growth potential. If you don't believe it, you won't achieve it. If you don't think you can, believe me, you won't. You won't even try I remember in business college reading about a guy who was 65 years old. He owned a gas station with a restaurant attached on a busy two-lane road just outside of his town. But suddenly disaster struck. The state built an interstate highway that went around the town, taking all the traffic flow from his business. He went broke at the age of 65 years of age, a shattered dream. He didn't plan for it. It wasn't his fault. Nothing he could do about it. But he didn't believe there was anything like a hopeless situation. A lot of people, and some in this room, can grow hopeless in your situation. But there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. You had a dream, and you become hopeless about the situation. This 65-year-old man refused to give in to self-pity or depression. He put his pressure cooker in the trunk of his car, and he went from city to city, restaurant to restaurant, sharing his recipe and method for frying chicken. His deal, a handshake, and five cents for every chicken you cook. It became a national and global sensation. You know him as Colonel Sanders, who made his finger-licking Kentucky Fried Chicken. One of the wonders of the world, trans fat and all. Lordy, it's good. Kentucky Fried Chicken's been in more places than Jesus. I've been in the outskirts of India in the most primitive places under, under a mosquito net and seen Kentucky Fried Chicken, a better evangelist in the church. This old guy could have sat back on his porch and cried and sucked his thumb his whole rest of his life, but he dared to dream again, and he dared to try again. He sold it for millions. R.J. Reynolds brought it in 1982 for $840 million, then it was sold again. How did it happen? It's not mind over matter. 
It's simply this for anybody in this room. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. A 65-year-old man, flat broke, dared to dream again. He dared to achieve a level of success he would never have known. By the way, just trivia, I sat next to him on a Delta Airlines flight on a rainy night from St. Louis to Atlanta, Georgia. He was in his white suit, platinum cane, white hair, called the colonel. He had a hot chocolate on a cold, rainy night. I'll never forget that moment. Sat right next to him. Quitting wasn't an option for Colonel Sanders. Think with me, what, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Listen to God in Isaiah 43. Fear not, I'm with you. I will be your strength. I will send my angels before you to prepare the way and behind you to be your rear guard. I am with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you or fail you. Shoot, with an endorsement like that, why not walk on water? Do something dangerous. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. set the world on fire with four words. I have a dream. And he went to jail for that dream. That's how much he believed in it. We can't get people to church if it's cold, a holiday, or rains. Not much of a dream. But this man persevered. He didn't have email, Facebook, Twitter, or a smartphone. But he mobilized an entire nation and world. Think about how much he believed in his dream. And about the time of attack and slander and accusation, every thin-skinned, wussy Christian you know in church going hallelujah will bail on you in a New York minute. They'll leave you like leaves off a fall tree. Gone. Gone. You got you to gotta, you gotta know that. And when God removes people from your life, they're not qualified for your future. Just rejoice and move on. God's going to bring other people into your life who are. That dream cost Martin Luther King Jr. his life, but his dream was the sledgehammer that nailed the door of segregation in America shut forever. Quitting was not an option with Dr. King. He made America a better place to live. None of the people God used, by the way, in the Bible or in history were perfect people. They had flaws. They had imperfections. So everybody will grade, well, I don't like her. Well, I don't like him. Well, they're not this. Who made you a grader of dreams? See, why don't you get your own dream, you wussy? Why do you want to judge everybody? Listen, God will take anything moving and use it. The goal is to get the ball over the line. I don't care if you're a Volkswagen or a Ferrari. If you're moving, I'm going to give you the ball. Warts and all. You need to know that. God will use people you don't like. Why? Because they're willing to do it. You're willing to talk about it, to criticize others, to find fault in them, but you won't do it yourself. And I don't think any monuments have ever been built to critics. Yeah. You try to do something that hadn't been done. I don't care who you are, secularly or religiously, and all hell will come online by all the naysayers who only talk. They have an opinion. They don't have a dream. They've never built anything, never done anything, but they're going to tell you all the depth of their stupidity so that they can be noticed in some way. You know, that dream was very, very expensive. How much are you willing to pay for the dream you say you believe in? Thomas Edison was interviewed by a New York reporter and asked, how does it feel to fail 700 times trying to develop the electric light bulb? Edison said, I hadn't failed 700 times. I found 700 things that just won't work. He had over 10,000 experiments that didn't work. 
till he finally hit on one that did. And the electric light bulb was invented, and the night went away in Las Vegas. I just threw that in because there's probably more lights on that street than Times Square, right? Oh, thank God we don't have to burn candles or gas lights. Because a man dared to dream, he could do something that would come to say. That means you can do it this morning. You can do it. You can do it. I can do it. We can do it because nothing is impossible with God. And God is in you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Dream big. Sarah Bush was a God-fearing woman who lived 200 years ago. She had two stepchildren. She had a daughter named Sarah and a tall, skinny boy named Abraham. Every Sunday, Sarah Bush took those kids faithfully to a country church. It had a stove in the middle, benches with no back on them. They had a simple pulpit and a long-winded preacher. You know what? That boy was Abraham Lincoln. And he went through a lot of failures before he became what I watched on A&E a couple of weeks ago, America's great president. But listen to his roll call of failure. In 1831, he failed in business. 1832, defeated for the legislature. 1833, failed in business again. 1836, had a nervous breakdown. 1838, defeated as Speaker of the House. 1840, defeated. 1843, defeated for U.S. Congress. 1855, defeated for U.S. Senate. 1858, defeated for Vice President of the United States. <laughs> What's your problem? <laughs> 1860, he became the 16th President of the United States. Yahoo. Yeah. Didn't quit. I don't know why we, the only thing quick, the only thing easy is quitting, which is what most people do. You know, but quitting is not an option. Well, I'm not smart. I don't have a good background. I don't have, hey, Steve Jobs was conceived out of wedlock, given up for adoption, dropped out of college. I'm up here preaching off his iPad. Thank you, Steve Jobs. What's your problem? Come on, folks. You got no complaint. God gives dreams to those who want them, period. Quitting wasn't an option. Abraham Lincoln didn't give up on his dream. He dared to try again and again and again. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to take longer than you thought, cost more than you thought it ever would, and, and cause you more problems than you ever had. But the reward is priceless. Don't, don't stop dreaming. That's the key to life and a future. Quitting was not an option. Has your dream been shattered? Have you given up on your dream? Pick up the greatest motivational book ever written, quoted by more business professionals from the book of Proverbs than any other book, and used to inspire millions and millions of people. It's simple. It's free if the Gideons give it to you. It's God's Word. It's a Bible. And listen to the messages from heaven that will set your soul on fire. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My peace I give you, not like the world gives you or a quaalude, but such as I have, give I to thee. Cast all your care on me. I care about you. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. In the authority of my name, I will give you all that you need to bind on earth so that it may be bound in heaven, to loose on earth so it's loosed in heaven. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. It is the Lord who gives you the power to get wealth. He will make you the head and not the tail. He will plant you by streams of living water. And whatever you do will prosper. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. 
Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. No good thing will God withhold from those who diligently seek Him. You find any negativity in there, and I'll eat it. But God says, I want to help you. But you're going to have to get somewhat of a commitment. You're going to have to have a little bit of passion. You're going to have to prepare for a great spirit and heart of perseverance because people quit way, way, way too soon. You quit on marriage. You quit on yourself. You quit on God. So simple. We'll have the gym, it goes gym, packed with spandex and people who shouldn't be wearing spandex kicking off January who got a gift certificate in the mail. And in three months, I won't see those people again. Well, I don't have time. I'm too busy. Oh, I woke up. I hurt so bad. I'm not going to pass me another piece of cake. Not going to do it. Just not going to do it. It's become our culture. I'm not faulting a person. I'm saying it's the culture we live in, and you've got to rise up above the culture. You just have to have enough pride and respect in yourself to say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I have control somewhat of my life. I can make choices to change the outcome, and by God's grace, I will. I feel the need to say that somebody in this auditorium has been pursuing a dream that has repeatedly escaped you. And I want to tell you, God's going to give that dream to you and open a door that has been closed for a long time. And he's going to open that door and no man will be able to close it. Get ready. Dream it again. Number two, define your dream. Don't just dare to dream. Define it. Be specific. If you can't write your dream down in 60 words or less, that's not a dream. That's a mirage. Listen to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. Write the vision down. Make it clear, for the vision is for an appointed time. So he says, make the vision plain. Though it tarry, wait on it. And one last word about wait on it. Sitting down is not waiting on it. When you wait on tables, you're serving. Oh, may I fill your glass? You're out of tea. Let me fill that up. Can I get you something? Would you like dessert? I'm waiting on you. I'm serving. So wherever you are with what you've been given and whatever responsibilities you have, no matter what the dream is that God's put in front of you, keep serving. Wait on the Lord. Honor the Lord. Stay faithful. God will bring that dream to pass, whether you're thrown in jail, accused of rape falsely by a woman, or hated by your brothers. God will bring you to the top. Nothing can stop it. Don't quit. Last thought. It takes teamwork to make a dream work. The Bible is a book about teamwork. God started out with Adam, then God said, I can do better. So he created a creature that the world had never seen before, nor has fully understood since. Woman. Adam and Eve were the first team, and when you as a husband and wife become a team, your life will become a dream. God created each of you for each other. He sees both of you in marriage or neither of you. Your marriage demands teamwork before there's going to be dream work, and that's so important. In most of the churches that I'm affiliated with, it's a husband and wife team. You know, Cindy carries a certain DNA. I don't. She's very caring. She's very friendly. She's very warm and fuzzy. She knows your name, where your birthmark is, your body temperature last week, the name of your third child, uh, the day you're going to have the birth. She never forgets that. I don't remember you. Uh, so when we walk in a restaurant, she'll hug, tell my hands, see that couple over there on the right on that table? Uh-huh, she's got a wrist with her, yeah. Well, that's Brenda and Al. They've been going to our church for 432 years over there, you mean? 
I say, hey, Al. Hi, Brenda. Man, it's good to see you. Happy New Year. And I'm sure they're thinking, I can't believe you remembered my name. And I want to say, I didn't. She did. But she told me. That's teamwork, right? She can do what I can't do, but I can do what she can't do. And together, we can do great things. So whether you're in business or whatever, ministry, it's a team deal. Your wife carries certain things that are very important to your success. And your husband does as well. It's a team or it's nothing but a nightmare. The Bible dream teams continued with Moses and Joshua. Moses died. Joshua took over. Elijah and Elisha before being taken into heaven uh, by a chariot of fire. Elijah threw his mantle on Elisha. He received a double portion of Elijah's power. Jesus had 12 disciples that shook the Roman Empire with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul had Timothy and Titus to help him establish New Testament churches. The message, you won't fulfill your dream alone. We all need help. I've been asked, when are you going to retire? My insurance representative simply can't understand and figure a retirement account based on the fact that I won't give him an age. I told him, I told them, I tell you, when I die, I don't ever plan to retire. I'm going to be here a long, long time, a whole lot longer than my adversaries. I can assure you that the latter years will be more fruitful than the former years because that dream is still alive. If that dream dies in me, we're finished. Go somewhere else, but keep your dream alive. For more information on Summit Christian Center and Rick Godwin, visit SummitSA.com and connect with us on social media.